Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Hello everyone and welcome once again to our online church. It's always a wonderful blessing for us to be together, even though it's online. And I really just am so excited about what God has been doing in the church and also through our online media in facilitating our ability to bring the word of God to you, despite the fact that we have to obviously take precautions as guided by government. And so it's been exciting in the services. People have been coming, but for those of you who are watching from home, I really just want to confirm once again and affirm that the Word of God is able to reach you where you are, and the anointing can be just as powerful. And all you need is that focus on God, that focus on the Word of God, and we believe the power of the Holy Spirit is able to reach you even there. Uh, Just uh, an announcement regarding the spiritual family and membership that you saw earlier on. On the 5th of June, we have our Spiritual Family Discover Every Nation program, which is for those of you who are considering membership in the church. And membership is not just visiting every week, but it's actually becoming a partner in this ministry, which implies an uh, an impact on your time and your talents and also your finances, and uh, that your heart will be here. There are many people that are going around various churches looking for the church where God is adding them. And if, if you believe that this is the church where God is adding you, please don't visit us for the next five years. Make a commitment and join. And so that's going to take place on the 5th of June. This Sunday in the service, we are taking in new members that have done the Discover program previously. And so we just want to thank God for how he is adding to to his people, to, to, to the family, the spiritual family, those who are being saved, those who are being redeemed. And then today we're also celebrating Pentecost. It is uh, the time when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples fulfilling the prophecy of Joel. And um, it is really a wonderful time when we can celebrate the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And this is not something that we take for granted, but we have the fullness of the Spirit poured out. The Helper has come, and it makes a, a massive difference in our relationship with God. And we've taught so many times concerning that. And so my encouragement is really that you share with your family, share with your with your children the meaning of this day. It is um, a time of significance for the body of Christ because without the Holy Spirit, we have nothing. And so we are thankful to God for that. And so today we're continuing with our series on honoring God in your work life. So I'm going to pray for us and then we'll get into the word. And so Father, I thank you, Lord, so much for your word that is our life. Lord, we are believers in your word. In the beginning was the word. The word became flesh, Lord. The word is our life. And so we thank you, God, that as we are opening the word of God this morning, this afternoon, wherever we are watching, Lord God, that it will have an impact in our hearts, that our hearts will be soft and sensitive and ready to receive your word, and that it will bring forth much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. So we've been doing a series over the past few weeks concerning honoring God in your work life. And it's so instrumental because it really helps us to, to surmount the mentality of church that many of us have grown up with that church is only on Sunday. But when you incorporate the Word of God and the Spirit of God into your work life, then you begin to realize that wherever you are, the Word of God and the life of God is meant to have an effect on you. You are to be a believer, a Christian, every single moment of every day. In the first week, we spoke about honoring God in work and specifically how we ought to work as unto the Lord and not unto men, and, and, and that message is online. Please go back and get that. Last week, we spoke about diligence and the importance of the lessons that we learned from the ant and from Daniel and from Joseph. Um, the, the, the message is also online. You don't want to miss this one. It's so critical in terms of your success and your prosperity and, and the understanding that the Word of God brings in that area. Today, we're going to deal with the topic of slavery. And then next week, we'll talk about spiritual work and labor because there are certain things spiritually which are just work. And many times we're waiting for the right feeling, just like in the natural um, area where we're waiting for the right feeling to do work diligently. But it has nothing to do with the feelings. It has to do with the truth and the principle. And so we're going to deal with that in the fourth week. So today... We're talking about slavery. And this is a controversial subject most of the time because of the pain that is associated with that, especially when it comes to us Africans. And so there is a massive identity that is drawn by Africans and black people in, in the global consciousness, so to speak, and, and the global uh, mindset that people have that Africa is the continent where the slaves came from, is the continent of colonial is the dark continent. It's the continent that needs aid, that needs help. And that, that identity has become so cemented that many Africans have relegated themselves to a position of being a victim and a slave in their minds. And so we're hoping, like, like Bob Marley said, not that he was a Christian, but he, he wrote the song about emancipating yourself from mental slavery it is indeed where it starts. But many times we also associate Christianity with slavery because many people have the misconception that uh, uh, slavery and, and colonialism was brought by the Christians, where it was actually the other way around. The Christians used the opportunity of the market uh, and the, the, the world trade to go along and to take the gospel while others were doing trading. And not to say that those traders did not um, uh, propose to be um, Christians, but we're going to go into the Word of God and see today what the truth is concerning what the Bible teaches and why that misconception exists. And so I'm starting here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 28. The Apostle Paul speaking to a Gentile church, and he says this, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Verse 27, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Verse 28, There is now neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
And so he's not saying here that those distinctions don't exist. The distinction between Jew and Gentile definitely exists. We understand what's going on around the world concerning that. And then the distinction between those who are slaves and those who are not slaves still exists. And then the distinction between male and female still exists. The, the, the truth here is that those distinctions don't exclude you from Christ. And this is the powerful revelation that we ought to get today. So the first principle that I'm sharing with us today is that slavery started with Adam. Slavery is not a creation of the white man or a creation of, of the Americans or a creation of the Europeans. Slavery started with Adam. It is a result of the selfishness of man, it is a result of the fall of man. Romans 6, verse 15 to 17 says this, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Verse 16, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. And so here in the book of Romans, there's this concept of slavery to sin. But taking it further, when Adam sinned against God, he submitted himself to Satan and became a slave of sin. That means that he, at that point, started to fulfill the mandates and the dictates of the slave driver that is sin and Satan. And everyone that is not born again and liberated through Christ Jesus from their sins is still a slave to sin. And many believers that have professed Christ and are claiming to be in the church and yet live in sin, surrendering their, their lives to a life of sin, are still living under bondage while Christ has set them free. It reminds me of what they call the Emancipation Proclamation that was signed by um, Abraham Lincoln. And this was a proclamation that was meant to set the slaves free. And yet it was the ones who were slave owners that tried to keep that news from coming to the slaves. Even though they were set free by the government, the slave owner kept the information from them and they maintained them as slaves continually until they found out, until the slaves found out what actually happened. So this is a critical principle. Slavery started with Adam. Slavery is something that is coming from the heart, the evil heart of man. And everyone, if left to their own will and desires, will eventually impose slavery on someone else. The second principle is this, that slavery is still happening today and will continue happening. And you might say, how can you be so negative? We are here trying to abolish slavery and, and sex trafficking and human trafficking and all of that. I am telling you this because of the fact that men are wicked in their hearts. And as much as we're trying to create an utopia and a, a perfect world around us, we will always have those who are trying to take advantage of their fellow men. And it is as a result of the first principle, which is that slavery started with Adam and everyone that is born after the flesh, after Adam, has that sin nature with them that produces slavery wherever they go. 
And so um, I'm, I'm showing a map here that I got from the Global Slavery Index, which shows the figures as back as 2018 of modern slavery. And much of the slavery that's taking place in the world today is concentrated in Africa, in Asia, and here in, in Eastern Europe, all the way to Northern Eastern Europe. And so we must understand that many times we look at the, the, the white nations and we say, yeah, they are the slave drivers or they are the slave owners. But we must understand that slavery has nothing to do with color. It has everything to do with the heart. And today we still have the prevalence of slavery in our very Africa. And you might ask yourself, so who, who has slaves in Africa? Who are the ones that are currently owning slaves? Uh, if you do your research, you will find that that phenomenon of slavery is still taking place today. Most of us have an impression concerning slavery that is coming from the history books, and some of us watch the movies about Kunta Kinte when we were growing up, and Roots and all of that, about the Atlantic slave trade of taking slaves from uh, West Africa, all the way through to the Caribbean, to uh, North America and South America, into the plantations, and then into, into Europe as well. But that slave trade has been abolished somewhat. But there are many nations where slavery is under the radar and it is almost promoted. And it's a sad fact, but it's still a fact. And then the third principle is that slavery is about dehumanization, not color. Slavery is not about, oh, you're this color, therefore you are for slavery. You're this color, oh, no, you're against slavery. No, slavery is all about dehumanizing another human being. And when you can dehumanize another human being, then only you can impose certain attitudes and certain treatments upon them without your conscience getting um, woken up. It is the same issue with the abortion debate. The baby in the womb has been dehumanized by lawyers, and they say, no, it's not a baby, it's not a human, until it's separate from the mother. And so they don't give it personhood, they, they don't consider it to be a human being, and therefore it doesn't have human rights such as the right to life. And yet, if someone kills uh, a woman that's pregnant, they consider it to be a double, double homicide, meaning you've killed two persons, and yet they don't recognize. And so we've got all these legal constructs that we create in order to get around, which shows that the issue, the problem with mankind is not the evil out there, but the evil in here. And that is what we all have to come to terms with. I heard a quote of someone saying that the one fact that is so vehemently debated and fought against is the truth that man is sinful. And the fact that they're protesting against that truth proves the fact that they are sinful and proud. And so slavery is about dehumanization. I went uh, online and I got this poster um, back, back from the forget the, the, the date this is, I think it's from the 1800s, and it says sale of Negroes, mills, mules, hogs, farming and mining tools, wagons and carts. And it says it will be sold in Columbia County at the Columbia Mines, 14 miles north of Thompson, on Tuesday, August the 14th the following valuable property of the Columbia Mining Company. 
And uh, so it really looks like almost like a, um, a poster where you're selling goods and auctioning goods. And that's exactly what slavery did. It, it, you have to start with dehumanizing someone before you can mistreat them. And if we look here at a list of the types of slavery that we find, I'm not saying that this is exhaustive, but this is quite the general list. The first one is indentured slavery, which is also known as bonded labor or debt bondage. Right? This is where that, that term or that proverb comes that the, 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 the borrower is slave to the lender. Why? Because if the borrower cannot pay in ancient times, what would happen is they wouldn't attach the property that was borrowed, but what would happen is the, the person who borrowed it, the borrower, would enslave themselves, would surrender themselves to work off, to work off that debt to the creditor. And so that was and still is today a form of indentured slavery. Another one is called chattel slavery. And chattel slavery is basically when you classify by law, classify a certain group of people as property, as chattel. And then what happens is people basically buy them like they would buy any goods. And then they have the rights of goods. They have the rights of property over those things, and they, they are considered things and not people anymore. And there is a term here, which is in Latin, which uh, uh, says, partus, secit, uh, hmm? partus secitur ventrem, which is a principle that followed the chattel slavery, which meant that that which is brought forth follows the belly. It means that the children of slaves would also be property. It would be the same as buying a cow and the child of the cow or the calf of the cow would also be your property. Wicked. And these are things that are constructed in the minds of people and then they pass laws in order to justify them. And this is why we must understand that just because something is legal doesn't mean that it is right. Just because the law is passed does not make it morally correct. And in our society, we've got many who are pushing for laws to be changed in order to address the fact, in order to fulfill the desire of many, and yet they don't realize that the issue is moral and not just legal. Let's go ahead and, and legalize everything then. Murder, legal. Right? Homosexuality, legal. Abortion, legal. Everything else, marriage between uh, a human being and an animal, legal. Let's legalize everything, right? And then we'll see who gets restrained by their morality or by their conscience. And so when it comes to chattel slavery, this is a legal construct which are made by lawyers and judges, educated people who, who came up with these ideas which led to the enslavement of many. Then there's something called dependence slavery. Dependent slavery works like this. You enslave yourself to someone and you become part of their family, but you're actually a servant in the family. But in these instances, many people lived much better lives than they would have had they had their own lives with their own family because this happened in wealthier families. And so your way of becoming part of a wealthier family could be as a servant, as a slave, so you're not part of the family, but you're a dependent in that family and a slave. This happened a lot, for example, in Persia. 
And then you've got forced labor, which is just forced labor. Then you have human trafficking and sexual slavery. That is something that's happening today, the selling of people. And then just with regards to dependence as well, and, and in, the, in the area of slavery, many people, even in the areas of professions that are well regarded today, such as lawyers and doctors, in the past, those were slaves. They were servants. And many of them served entire groups of, 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 of families in the aristocracy. And so it's, it's, it's really strange. The society that we live in now has been quite liberated, and we thank God for that. But many times, even in the instances where people were doing a wonderful, excellent, skillful job, they could still be slaves in that, in that profession. Then you have human trafficking and sexual slavery. We spoke about that. Then child soldiers and child labor. Child soldiers quite concentrated with the African context, of course. And then child labor, especially in Asia, but also in Africa, because laws concerning the limitation of how, how, what age children need to be before they work have, been, have not been imposed. But this is just a manifestation that it's not because, it's not because people are white or black or yellow or red or whatever their color is or their culture is that they enslave others. This is a human vice. This is a problem of the whole human race. And then you've got forced marriages, which are also considered to be a form of slavery because the individual being forced into that marriage will probably fulfill certain things that they don't desire to fulfill. And yet there is also even an exchange probably of a dowry or some kind of payment that was made. And so these are all forms of slavery that we see. And the principle here is that slavery is about dehumanization and not color. Then the next principle, number four, is Christians should be abolitionists. What are abolitionists? Abolitionism or the abolitionist movement was a movement to end slavery. And as much as the scriptures will read just now, point to the fact that, look, if you're a slave, it doesn't make a difference that you, you need to get free before you can be a Christian. But as believers, we have a new heart. We have a new desire for the liberty and the dignity of other human beings. John chapter 8, verse 33 to 36, they answered him, Jesus. They said to him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Verse 35, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Then it says in verse 36, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And Jesus obviously speaking about freedom from sin here, but the context still applies that the children of God are those that are pro-liberation. They are the ones that are at the forefront of setting others free, not only from sin, but in other areas as well. Then principle number five, amazing grace. I'm reminded here, I did some, um, some reading concerning this song that we sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm fine. Was blind, but now I see. And that song was penned and written by a man called John Newton, who was a slave ship owner. 
and eventually became a reverend or a pastor. And obviously, he was very regrettable. At the time when he converted, he still continued to be a slave ship owner until he was really convicted in his heart concerning this matter. And some say that this tune actually arose from some of the travels um, that were made during that time on the, on the ocean, at, and it was a tune that was sung by the slaves in the belly of the ship. So quite a, quite a terrible and devastating experience. Many of the slaves died in that voyage. The in your main uh, uh, treatment that they endured, many could not even uh, um, make the trip. And so he then becomes a minister, and there's a young man that is a parliamentarian. His name is William Wilberforce, and he's part of, of John uh, Newton's church and community, and he has a conflict in his heart as to whether he should go into full-time ministry or whether he should still pursue the dirty business of politics, because that's the perception that if you're in politics, you have to be corrupt, you have to, be, uh, uh, you have to lack integrity, you have to be a liar, you have to connive, backstab, and all of that. But this was the counsel that was given by John Newton to William Wilberforce. He said, use your position for the glory of God. And what happened is William Wilberforce, a young man, I think he was 17 or 18 when he went to join Parliament, he fought all these years in Parliament for the abolition of the Atlantic slave uh, trade that was coming especially into Europe. And when the parliament finally, the British parliament finally passed laws that abolished um, slavery in that form and the trade of slaves, he then eventually falls sick and dies actually at a young age. And this is the big question. We're talking about honoring God in your workplace. And we're talking about things like um, your, your diligence, your sense of calling, your sense of purpose in what you do, and the importance that you understand that you are not working for men. You are working for God. The earth is corrupt and full of dying and desperate people who need the children of God who are going to rise up and do work in a way that is redemptive. And it, maybe you're someone like William Wilberforce and you're thinking, I need to go into full-time ministry in order to fulfill a higher calling. But the calling where you are God probably set you apart for such a time as this so that he can use you where you are, a man of integrity, a woman of integrity, a man and a woman who, who are bold and, and stand for the truth and righteousness, who will be able to stand up in places where the preacher cannot stand and will be able to say, no, this is not right. And it's not because the Bible says so, but even if we look just at the natural principles of justice, this is not right. And someone will have to speak the truth because, uh, as the saying goes, the only thing that it takes for evil to prosper is for good men and women to do nothing. And so principle number six, we sometimes treat people like slaves. And when I say we, I'm talking about me and all of you watching. So look at your neighbor. Don't let them look away. That's us. Look here at James chapter 2 verse 1. To four. It says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Verse 2, suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, here in the front, 
but say to the poor man, you, 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 you stand here or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with, with evil thoughts? And this is what the word of God says. Don't dehumanize others. Don't dehumanize people, especially those who are coming and they have received Christ and they are in the same congregation. Don't let the one with money or the one with status be, be the one that is apparently elevated while others are despised just because they are poor, just because they are needy, just because they don't have what the others have. It is a wicked thing. That is the start of that dehumanization that leads to things like slavery. And you might say, no, pastor, I always treat very nicely these kind of people and all of that. Watch your heart that you are not making a distinction between them. So key that the word of God addresses that. This is this is, this is true Christianity. It starts with the heart, and God sees the heart. And many of us don't realize that the way that we treat people says a lot about our relationship with God. The Word of God says, how can you love God whom you cannot see and yet mistreat and hate and sin against the brother or the sister that you can see? And so then we go on to Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 15. It says, Each day you shall give him his wages, and not let the sun go down on it, for he is poor and has set his heart on it, lest he cry out against you to the Lord, and it be sin to you. Speaking here of the way that we treat employees, the way that we treat people who work for us, and this is still on the same principle, number six. We sometimes treat people like slaves. And sometimes we've got a wonderful business and we're running this amazing company, but the way that we, that we use and abuse our employees is ungodly and disgusting in God's sight. And it is something that has to change. If you call yourself a Christian, let it be reflected in the way that you treat your employees. Let it be reflected in the way that you treat those who work for you. It is important. You can't be lifting up your hands in church on Sunday and then using that same hand to blow, to, to beat the people who work for you during the week. This is wicked. And it needs to stop. It doesn't matter. Even if you say that, no, this person is not working hard enough. They're not diligent like pastor preached last week. They're not working hard as they should. It does not justify your mistreatment of them. And sometimes you look at your finances and you can see that you're able to do a better job in terms of paying these workers. And yet your greed takes you to the place where you take everything for yourself and you don't realize that behind every employee in your company and in your institution is a family that is depending on that person. And the harm and the disregard that you have for that individual snowballs into families and communities. You are promoting evil through the very attitude in your company. It needs to stop. It needs to stop. And it needs to stop today. Change your attitude. That's something that somebody listening today, you need to repent of that. You need to repent of that. You'll see God blessing your business as a result. God blessing your business. You know, I've got an image here. You might not be able to see it on camera, but in the service I'll show it. 
And usually for those of us who grew up, um, there was always someone in the family who came to do the domestic work or to work in the garden, right? We call them the gardener or uh, some call them the maid or the domestic worker or that kind of thing. And I don't know if you noticed and if it happened as you were growing up in the homes that you've seen, but there was like a special plate, you know, and a special cup for that person, usually made of tin. You know, a tin cup, a tin plate, you know. So, so that's just for that boy, right? And imagine you receive the Christmas mug from your family or from your husband that says you are the best mom, you know, and it's a white Christmas mug. Imagine one day you walk in from, from, from work, you know, at lunchtime or something, and you find the person who works in your home or in your garden sipping tea from your mug that says you are the best mom. You know, some of us will break that mug that day. I'll never drink from that mug again, or I'll never drink from that mug again, or whatever. But it shows the attitudes of distinguishing between people, not recognizing their humanity. And you say, yeah, pastor, but people are from different backgrounds. They will have diseases or what, 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 what. Watch your mindset. There are some that they can't even use the same bathroom in the house. You know, use, use the bathroom outside. Is that kind of dehumanization that we need to look ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves, do Christians do that? And so principle number six is we sometimes treat people like slaves. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 5 says this, and you might be surprised that he's addressing slaves. Just after he follows husbands, love your wives, wives submit to, to your husbands, and then children submit to your parents. Then he says, slaves obey, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 5, slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Amazing. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you are serving the Lord and not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And many people will take this and say, you see, the Bible is endorsing slavery. The Bible is proposing slavery. All your horses will get there. And then verse 9 says, and masters or employers, treat your slaves or servants or employees in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. No favoritism with him. Now I want to read for us we're going to go through the whole book in the Bible <laughs> in order to address this matter. But it is important that you see that it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And we'll read it. We won't stop too much. It's only got one chapter, and it's a few verses. And it speaks about brothers and sisters who are in Christ, but are in this dynamic of slavery. And so Paul writes, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Acripus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to 
you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all the holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. Now what happened here is that Philemon owns a slave called Onesimus and Onesimus ran away and he, Onesimus meets with Paul somehow divinely and Paul leads him to the Lord. And so this is uh, the, the letter to, to, to Philemon. Verse 6, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement, Philemon, because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So he looks like he's a good guy in the church, Philemon. Verse 8, therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, it is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become more useful because both to you and to me. Verse 12, I'm sending him who is my very heart back to you. So Paul is saying, Onesimus, go back. <laughs> go back to Philemon. Verse 13, I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. So Paul wanted to bring him into the ministry and say, Onesimus, stay with me. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps, verse 15, the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. Verse 16, look here. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. I hope you're picking up the principles here of how we should address this. Verse 17, um, in conclusion, so if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I'm willing to pay, says Paul. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self in the ministry that Paul has given to him. And then I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And also Mark Aristarchus, uh, Demas and Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Awesome. So this is the book of Philemon that we just read. It's just one, one, one chapter. But it shows you that Paul is saying, look, uh, just because you, you left your, your, uh, a slave owner doesn't mean that you can't go back and allow God to use you there. But if let's read here Corinthians in conclusion. This is the scripture that will sum up what Paul is doing there. He says in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 20, he says, Each one should remain in the condition in which he was when he was called to Christ. When you were, were you a slave when you were called? Question mark. 
Do not worry about that, since your status as a believer is equal to that of a freeborn believer, someone who's not a slave. But if you are able to gain your freedom, do that. For he who was a slave when he was called in the Lord is a freed man in the Lord, a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when he was called is a slave of Christ. And so what's the word of God teaching us today? We're talking about honoring God in our workplace, in the area where it comes to how we work diligently and the attitude that we have. But we must realize that God is more interested in your relationship with God than just the dynamics of your work area, and that your relationship with God should have an impact on your workplace. If you're a slave, you don't have to worry about your estate, you, the fact that you are a slave, because it does not exclude you from anything in Christ Jesus. If you are a freed person, it doesn't mean that you have any privileges beyond that which Christ provides even to the slave today. And so this is my encouragement to all of us, that we will watch ourselves in the way that we deal with people, in the dignity that we give to them, in that they are created in the image of God, and that we'll hold them in highest regard, that if we are those people that are treating people like slaves, let them go, set them free today. Let your Christianity be that, that you would rather make that sacrifice on your life than to sacrifice others for your own pleasure and expediency. And for those who are working hard in conditions that seem like I'm a slave, continue to put your trust in Jesus. Continue to put your faith in what Christ has already done for you because you know that there is true freedom in Christ beyond the chains that the Apostle Paul said he also bore. So I want to pray for us this, um, this day that our hearts will not be hardened. This matter of slavery is not a, a, a thing of Christianity. It comes from the heart that is wicked and deceitful. And as we give our hearts to the Lord, as we make disciples, as we lead others in lordship to Christ, we should be able to see a change and a transformation in our societies. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, that you are touching our hearts today. This painful subject of slavery, Lord, in the way that we've treated others or the way that others have treated us, that we will not take that offense in unforgiveness, but that we'll continue to see Christ, Lord, and begin to live our lives in honor to him in this dynamic of work, Lord. I pray for those who are slaves, who are servants, Father God, who feel treated like slaves, that they will feel, find their dignity, their value in Christ. That being a slave does not mean that it's taking away their, their value. Their value doesn't come from their employer or from their government. It comes from God. And that you will set them free. I pray for those who are in sex trafficking or in human trafficking. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will release your champions from the church, Lord, to go into to these areas and to be those that you use to set many free. And I thank you, Lord God, that your blessing is working in our lives to produce this fruit to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. May the Lord continue to open your eyes to the truth, and we will see you soon. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.